This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, August 20th. 2020 edition of Invest Talk. Yep, we're two thirds the way through the month of August. Only seven more trading days. And then Labor Day is coming up on September 7th. I feel like the days are going a little faster, right? Life's going back pretty much to normal, at least in, in my case. Uh, and I think most other people's case as well. But the economy does remain still relatively muted. And we are, what? 70-something days away from the election. So it's going to come here quick. And tonight we have, I believe it's tonight, I don't follow these things that closely, but uh, I think Biden is giving his acceptance speech tonight. Uh, and then we'll, the, the media, I'm sure, will turn its attention to the Republican convention. I believe that's next week. And so, and then after that, you start having debates, and I think the first ballots are sent, or are being able to mail in sometime in early September. So it's going to come up quick. And the reason I bring this up is because this actually happened today. Uh, this is something that happens from time to time. You know, clients will leave us. But today's was interesting. And the client's reasoning was, that if Biden wins the election, the country will go to crap. That's That was the reasoning. And, you know, it's tough to, to really break through uh, an attitude like that. But it's something you have to deal with as an advisor. It happens from time to time. But we try to communicate the message that while the media is going to hype up the pros and cons of either candidate, the reality is is that presidents don't have nearly the impact on economies, on markets, as most people like to think. Just go back to 2016. After Trump was elected, the market plunged after hours and then turned right around, right? So the initial reaction was that Trump would be bad for the markets and the economy. And the opposite's been true. Now, that is, does that mean the market goes up because of Trump? No. A lot of people think that, oh, market's up, so it's this president gets, gets credit, or the market's down, or this, and this president gets blame. And that's, the facts just don't really back it up. Right, you talk about the financial crisis in 08. That was built up over many years of bad policy. and bad actions within the industry. You could you could say that goes all the way back to removing Glass-Steagall. That was under Clinton. 
right? And then you have the Bush administration. Did they exacerbate it? Probably not that much. Did the Federal Reserve, by keeping rates lower than they should have been for a long period of time, did that exacerbate it? Yeah, it did. So there's also always multiple factors, right? So do you blame 08 on Bush because he was in office when that was all going down? A lot of people will. But if you look at the facts, that's not necessarily true. Right? And then you go back to Obama. Obama, the market went up dramatically under, over those eight years. Now, is that complete credit to Obama? No. There was a lot of money printing by the Federal Reserve, low interest rates. You came from a low base. They did implement a sim stimulus. There's multiple factors that go into this. Where you are in a cycle. When you started and where you ended. And oftentimes both of those are out of the power of whoever is in power. Sure, you can, they can influence it in small ways, right? The, the tax cut for corporations in 2017 definitely helped the stock market, helped earnings. And that's certainly true. Was it the primary driver? If you look at it, no. It's not the primary driver of earnings growth between 2016 and, say, the start of COVID. It wasn't. It was economic growth. It was other factors. Low interest rates, more QE, etc. So try not to allow one election to influence your view of the economy of the markets. Now, does it have an impact? Will Trump have a different impact than a Biden administration for the next four years? Absolutely. But more at the margins than some broad direction. Not only that, you have Congress. How much will Congress weigh into that? Remember, laws, for the most part, are passed by Congress. Yeah, you have executive actions, but you can see with this latest Trump executive action that doesn't really have much bite to it. There's only, I think, eight states that have signed up for the additional unemployment benefits. There's limits to executive power, and that's just the way it's been designed. So, going back to this client, even if Biden gets in, what if Republicans hold on to the House. What if they stifle Biden policies? What if it's a Democratic sweep? That's a big factor as well. So, I urge you, how you feel about a particular politician needs to be separated from how much you understand about how, what they will be implementing when it comes to policy, or just, or just Washington in general. So I, I heard the exact opposite things back in 2016. If Trump wins, the country is going to go to X, Y, and Z. Well, 
you look at the institutions of our country, they've been there for a long time, they're hard to move, they're hard to change. And so one president does not have the power to override it all, and it's meant to be that way. So hopefully that gives you a little message going into these last uh, two and a half months that don't get too caught up in it, especially when it comes to your personal feelings about the candidates. You need to separate that from the reality of the economy, markets, industries, and companies that you're looking at. I'm Justin Klein, and today in this program, I'm going to do my best to provide you unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. I'm going to help you with strategies to help you deal with this volatility. So I'm ready to hear, ready and here to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now on Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We're dedicated to this unbiased guidance, and we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So now that I've set things up for today, I'm ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's go to Carl in Oceanside, looking at Xerox. Yes, uh, Mr. Icon bought more shares of XRX. I would like to know what, how that company is Xerox. It used to be many years ago a stock for the orphans, but the orphans lost, and the stock went way down. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is. Let's see. They manufacture printers mainly, still copy copier scanners focus on large enterprise equipment. Now the big issue here is if everyone's working remotely, not everyone's going to have a printer in their home. And if not everyone's going to have a printer or a scanner, you're going to probably need some other solution. Otherwise, you have to buy more. So you have to look at it two ways. Is, are our companies going to buy printers for everybody? Probably not. And typically, Xerox focuses on large institutions. So large printers, not your little small home printer. So I don't like that. Revenue down 35% last quarter, earnings down 81. Uh, their debt is relatively modest, but I think their business is going to struggle for a while. I'm going to pass on it. I know it's rallied here a little bit, but I'm passing on it. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have posted a new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. Steve and I have recorded our answers to 34 voice bank questions. So tell your friends and family members that you can hear the new August Rapid Fire Hour podcast anytime over at investtalk.com. It's completely free. You can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Just search Invest Talk. And now I'm here, ready to take your questions live at 888 chart It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers 
but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Justin in San Diego looking at BIGC, which is a recent IPO. Can you tell me more about it? Yes, I just know it's, uh, you know, supposed to uh, compete against Shopify now, and I got a buddy that's been talking to me for like the last week about it, and I was like, well, I've been talking to this, or I've been listening to this investment, um, these investment guys, and I would give, give them a call and see what they think about it as well. Yeah, okay, so yeah, actually I know this one, Big Commerce, I believe there's, their platform integrates with WordPress, if I'm remembering correctly, do you know that? I, I do not. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of, uh, I bel- I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Basically a plugin that you can add to a website to create an e-commerce site. And that's kind of what Shopify is with a, a little bit more expansive uh, offerings, right? Shopify is getting into the warehousing game where you're able to warehouse your products that you sell on a Shopify site. So uh, I'm not sure how much big commerce has plans to broaden out their services besides just a plug-in. I think that would be a big question is what their leadership. I know Shopify has very strong leadership. Uh, I have actually have a friend who runs one of those Shopify warehouses, and they're just very innovative and very forward-thinking. So, But you're looking at a $4 billion market cap where Shopify is close to $100 billion. So relative value here is good. Now, the chart continues to sink, though. In the first pop, the first couple of days, it's been going down uh, really ever since. And it closed today at a new low uh, since it went IPO just earlier this month. So technically, that's bad. I would really look into what plans do they have beyond just a plug-in. Right, they're still losing money. Revenue growth is 30%, which is solid, but not fantastic uh, for the particular industry. For example, Shopify is 100% year-over-year growth. So I'm not a fan of it at this point until I do deeper dive in the business. Uh, and I would need to know that they have plans to go well beyond just being a plug-in. You're listening, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 88899 chart. Let's go to Andre in Los Angeles. He wants to talk about commodities. Hi. Yeah, I have a question. So I'm reading this investment book that, that was written about uh, four or five years ago, and it, and it came to a part mm-hmm. that really rings true about what's going on. It basically talks about uh, how since the financial crisis, central banks have uh, been adding liquidity to the system, and he says how it's easy mm-hmm. to conclude that the next recession, the central banks will do whatever it takes to keep the situation as is. And the last mm-hmm. part, I want you to, to get your take. He says the best hedges against quantitative easing are uh, assets that are fixed in supply, like precious metals, fixed supply real estate, like land, 
and commodities that have a fixed supply but stable demand. I'm wondering, uh, he doesn't really talk about that further. I'm wondering if I can get your take on that. Does that sound correct? And maybe use some examples of like commodities that he could be talking about. Yeah, that, that definitely uh, is correct. And that's why you've seen precious metals, gold and silver, take off here this year. And in fact, it's been, especially gold, has been in a bull market for a while now. Uh, typically, there is a correlation between the deficit. So when the deficit goes up, gold and silver tend to go up as well. And so uh, starting in 2017, when you had the, the tax cuts, gold started really going up because the deficit started blowing out in that case and you know doubling from about 500 billion to, to a trillion now we're going to be close to uh, five trillion in deficit this year so that's certainly true now there are other commodities like you said that have fixed demand uh uranium i think is a good example of one where and there's a growth of nuclear power uh, over over the world uh that's an example so Real estate, you know, to me is is a difficult one because it really all depends on mortgage rates. If mortgage rates stay muted, then you'll probably be fine. If mortgage rates take off because, say, inflation takes off and mortgage rates need to go higher because investors need to be compensated for that higher level of inflation, then that becomes... A more dicey story, right? So when it comes to real estate, that's my biggest trepidation: is when and if that changes the mortgage dynamics in the marketplace. Um, but you're right; uh, what you're reading is correct. That monetary debasement, right? When when fiat is being created uh, at almost an infinite supply, right? They talk about QE infinity. Typically, things with a finite supply tend to go up like gold and silver. Make sense, Andre? Yeah, thank you. No problem. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego looking at O, which is Realty Income, one of the largest REITs out there. And they are focused on their retail side of the marketplace in 49 different states. It's a REIT, pays about 4.6%. You're looking to buy it or do you own it? Uh, yes. Hi, Justin. Thanks. First of all, thanks for taking my call. No, I'm looking at my uh, income portfolio and I'm looking mm -hmm. to add some risk. And okay. I was wondering what you think of this and do you have any entry points for this company? Well, the issue here for me is the space that it's in in retail and even if the economy kind of reopens that'll that'll help some but to me this pandemic has been a spark to accelerate the shift for online shopping and that's going to really hurt a lot of these old industries like traditional retail shopping and i think it's only going to persist and right now, the cash dividend pay ratio is about 83 on this. So have they cut their dividend yet? Let me see if they've cut it. No, they've maintained it pretty steady. That's, that's good. Uh, but I just think there are better, better spots in the REIT space. I like that you're looking at REITs. 
but I just don't like the, their, their retail type that they own as well as the debt they have in their balance sheet and their business has certainly deteriorated uh, you know, since the pandemic. So uh, I'm, I would stay away from realty income. Thanks for the call, Edgar. 888.99 chart, 888.992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, my main focus point today is the fact that Southwest has turned down a loan from the federal government in regards to the CARES Act. And this is about a $2.8 billion loan that they've turned down. And the reason is because they believe they can finance themselves on their own without the help of the federal government at better terms. So we're going to get to this after the break. And it's a great example of how the federal government action, whether that's a Republican in the White House, a Democrat, or maybe hopefully one day, neither, <laughs> right? Um, hopefully, or the, their actions aren't the only factor when it comes to businesses. And this is a great example of that. We're going to touch on that after the break. And on the next Invest Talk, this story. Bondholders are concerned about California's blackout threats and surging wildfires. What's going on in the utility space? Steve will talk about that tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. We're ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools, 
to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Stephen Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Stephen Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99Chart. 888 99Chart, 888 We have about 25 minutes left in the show, so get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, recent news came out that Southwest Airlines is denying a federal loan worth about $2.8 billion under the CARES Act, which was the federal rescue that was passed, what, in April, I believe it was? And the reason they're doing it is because they feel like they can get better finance or better terms elsewhere. Now, they need to decide by September 30th if they were going to take the funds. And as part of the agreement, if they did, they cannot furlough workers before October 1st. So that's a big factor here, too, is that they're unable, if you take federal money, to lay off additional workers on top of what they already have. And the reason is, is because liquidity in the market is back to very high, right? The, if you watch the 60 Minutes interview with Jerome Powell back in March or April, said we're flooding the system with money. And even though Southwest Airlines' revenue is down 70% year over year, and they expect that to continue for a little while, and cash burn is about $17 million per day, there's enough liquidity to kind of go anywhere. So this is a great example of how the federal government, how one president is only one factor. When investing, there are often dozens of factors to consider. And frankly, who the president is, is very low on that factor list. What things are more important? Well, leadership within the company, strategy within the company, industry dynamics, assets that that company owns, factories, intangible assets, such as copyrights, patents, things like that. Those are far more important. Southwest has had good management for a long time. They've been one of the best operators in the space for going on three decades. And clearly, management is handling this crisis better than most. And not relying on the federal government. Finding alternatives to maintain their balance sheet. 
So very interesting turn of events here. Uh, other airlines are still taking the loan, uh, but Southwest, not so much right now. Let's keep things moving and go straight to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. This question came in earlier at 888.99 chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm a investor. It's been around for about a year or two. And one thing I was thinking about was how this year, 2020, might have changed investing completely with electronic trading and zero commissions. Robinhood has more than 10 million users, which most of them are retail investors. And I just wonder if you think that's going to have a huge impact and, and create a huge change in the way that the stock market exchanges work, um, just trading stocks in general. Um, if that's, uh, you know, you think about it, if 10 million Robinhood users all go to the same thing, that's got to cause some volatility or some change. I just want to know what you guys thought about how things might change because of things like Robinhood and what's happened here in 2020. Thanks. Bye. Well, great point about Robinhood, but Robinhood has been around well before 2020. And their impacts when it comes to no commissions on stock trades actually really came to a head last year. I believe it was September, October of last year when Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, I believe E-Trade, they all went to no commissions right? because they were losing market share to Robinhood. And so the zero commission thing isn't a 2020 thing. It's more of a 2017, 18, and 19 thing. Now, is it changing the way markets are moving? I think a little bit in the near term, but I think long term it won't because the money that goes into markets isn't driven by your little individual trader with a few thousand bucks that they have given to them by the government. It's large institutions, mutual funds, hedge funds, etc. Now this goes to what I wanted to talk about, which was Robinhood. And what they have done is kind of used gimmicks to get people to take more risk than they would otherwise. And if you talk to behavioral researchers, the simplicity of the app and gentle nudges cause inexperienced investors to take bigger risks. And this includes other apps like Webull and El Toro. But what they do is they influence user behaviors to, for desired outcomes. Buy a product, use a service, view an advertising. What they do is they blast user screens with confetti. They make algorithmic recommendations of stocks that are similar to what maybe you already own or what other people are buying. They make the button to buy bigger and brighter than those for canceling a trade. And this exacerbates human bias and thus investing behavior. Now, the Robinhood CEO says that the app doesn't gamify trading or encourage risky behavior. But if you look at it, it's not true. The app shows users related stocks that other Robinhood users also own, like I said. 
So 13 million Robinhood users and the median age is 31 median. So there's a lot of very, very young, inexperienced investors. They even use things like referral links that uh, people get virtual lottery scratch cards, right? To kind of gamify the investment behavior. Now, Marshini Chetty is an assistant professor for the computer, of computer science at the University of Chicago, who specializes in human computing interaction, says that Robinhood uses dark patterns, what they call in the software industry. It's designed to steer users down a desired path. For example, when confirming a purchase, there's no cancel button. To back out of the trade, you have to go edit, and you have to, it's not as clear cut as just confirming. Whereas apps for Charles Schwab, E-Trade, TD Ameritrade, etc., they're more straightforward. Confirm or cancel. Now, Robinhood made more than $270 million last year selling order flow. Oh, sorry, for the first six months of the year. First six months, $270 million. So this is not, this is definitely influencing behavior. And that's why the app is so popular, because it makes you feel good. The, the, the little things that it does, like I said, confetti, nudging people towards certain choices. And that's why I urge people to get off of that platform and have better decision habits. Let's go to Colette Northern or North Island, looking at copper. Hi. Um, so... Um, what do you think of putting like a small position in like a copper fund, like an ETF? Because um, over here in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, um, I'm an electrician's apprentice, and I've noticed that copper wire is going up because well, copper prices is going up because of demand, mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. But um, the funds I was looking at, uh, the first one is Global X Copper Miners, uh, COPX. Um, and the second is United States Copper Index, and the symbol for that is CPER. So, um, yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts on for that. Okay. Well, uh, COPX is a copper miner, uh, so the Global X Copper Miner ETF. Let me look at the positions here. Freeport is the fifth largest in the Southern Copper. There's... Yeah, it looks fairly global, which I I like that. Um, is CPR is that? Let's see, the COPR, a oh, CPRE, right? ER. There we go. Found it. United States Copper Index. Let me look a little bit further into that one. Is that the underlying mm -hmm. commodity? Yeah, I think that's the oh, underlying commodity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would own the companies, to be honest with you, over the underlying commodity, uh, especially if prices go up. Earnings for any commodity producer is going to tend to go go up exponential to the share price, or sorry, the, the price of the underlying commodity, right? Because they have operating leverage. And so I rather own the underlying companies than the uh than the actually underlying commodity itself now 
Freeport is probably the largest or one of the largest in the world. It's more domestic. Uh, that would be a more pure play if you want to find best of breed. But that Global X one you, you spoke of, I, I don't think that's a bad way to gain exposure, to be honest with you. If, if you wanted to, if you didn't have any copper exposure, not a bad way to go. Yeah. So um, so I noticed looking at the those two funds that there wasn't much um, volume, like under 100,000, I believe, for both. Does something like that like affect like uh, your decision to buy or as long as as long as it's not too low, let me see what the volume is exactly. C O P X. Yeah, I mean hundred thousand a day roughly. That's not too bad, to be honest with you. Uh you're not gonna be buying as long as it's not over twenty percent of the average daily volume. I'm fine with it. You know, you're talking 50-day average daily volume of 105,000. As long as you're not buying over 20,000 shares, I'm perfectly fine uh, with owning it, which I'm, I'm assuming you wouldn't. Thanks for the call. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Yes, the economy was shut down, but now we're reopening. And there's a lot of cross-currents, which means a lot of volatility. I know it doesn't feel like it over the past five or six months, but... You know it's going to come. Right? We stimulus is war, is wearing off. We don't have a lot of new stimulus to fill in what was passed back in uh, the early spring, and that means you need to be prepared, and you need to not allow your retirement objectives to be controlled by the ebbs and flows of the headlines. Whether that's the pandemic, whether that's the election, whatever it is, you need to take steps now to optimize your portfolio. And I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial office in Irvine, California. We can help you and we want to help you. Whether you are a conservative investor edging closer to retirement or a younger investor working, uh, you know, looking for more aggressive opportunities, we can customize an investment strategy designed to achieve your financial freedom goals while managing the risk. To get started with a no-cost portfolio review, please call or send a message through investtalk.com. And now I'm here ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, You'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial. Yeah, I got a question about your thoughts on JP Morgan. Actually, I bought in at 108, so it's been down. And I'm just wondering what you think. Hold on to it. Keep buying. Just get out. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. JP Morgan, although it's kind of best of breed of the domestic large banks. I just don't love banks. I don't. 
with rates pinned so low, with delinquencies rising, both on the consumer and commercial side, loan growth falling, that's an issue. The yield curve is still, while positive, is still relatively flat. Means their net interest margins are pretty skim, skim, slim, shall I say. And I just don't like the banks as a whole right now. It's not an environment where banks are going to thrive. We had the stress test a couple months ago, and basically it was saying that these banks can't buy back more shares, can't increase their dividends. They need to muddle through, build capital, which means lower return on equity for you, the shareholder. So I'm passing on JP Morgan and most of the large banks. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Todd from Georgia. Love your show. Looking at a stock, MTZ, Mike Tango Zulu, Maztec Inc. Looking for a infrastructure kind of industrial play. I wonder what your thoughts are on it. The PE appears to be low. They appear to be making money. The fundamentals look pretty good to me and just would wonder what your thoughts would be and a good price to maybe get into this holding. I appreciate it. Now we'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. All right. This is Maztec Inc. This is a leading infrastructure construction company primarily operating in the United States. They do engineering, building, installation, maintenance, and upgrades of communication, energy, and utility infrastructure. They install wireless, wireline, and satellite communication, oil and gas pipeline infrastructure. Certainly that's hurting them right now. Conventional and renewable power generation and other industrial systems as well. So they have five different segments. And I like this. It's actually on my list for infrastructure plays in the market. And while it has recovered from the high 20s back in March, we're at 45 now. Uh, we have not pulled the trigger. because Technically, it hasn't, it hasn't repaired enough. Uh, and the value uh, to us is right around that $40 mark, and we're at 45 now. And so the biggest issue for us is earnings expected, are expected to drop 8% this year and 9% next year. But if there is an infrastructure bill passed, this certainly will be a company that will benefit. It's not on the top of our list, but it would definitely be in the top 10 of infrastructure plays. And it's relatively small, only about $3.3 billion market cap. And its balance sheet is relatively healthy, only about a billion dollars in net debt. So I, I like it. I like this name. They have long-term, consistent 
return on equity in the mid-teens on average. And that's a big reason why I like it is that long-term consistency of profitability, pretty solid balance sheet, and positive cash flow, nice positive cash flow. So I like this name, M-A-S, sorry, M-T-Z is a symbol, Maztec is the name. Now, before we close, we're going to touch on mortgage rates, and they're going back up. We're now above 3% on average on the 30-year, 3.06%. That's about 25 basis points above the low for the year, which is about 2.81% on average. I know some people are getting a little bit lower than that, but these are average mortgage rates. And there are a couple things driving it. One, certainly our treasury yields rising. I talked about that last week. We've come back here a little bit so far this week. Right, We closed the week on the 10-year last week at about 0.7. We are now about 0.65. So you're getting about five basis points better on that front. But certainly optimism around COVID. And then Fannie and Freddie announcing that they're charging new adverse market fee on mortgage refinances. And that's actually impacted purchase loans as well. It has functionally lifted the baseline for mortgage rates across the industry. And that's the issue here. So if that continues, which is that's supposed to be implemented on September 1st and become more permanent, the medium home price is up 10% year over year despite the pandemic, according to Realtor.com. Now that's list price. That's a list price. That's not actually sale price. But that represents the fastest, fastest growth in listing price since January 2018. So supply and demand are moving in opposite directions. Sellers now have the upper hand. Now, if you look underneath the surface, though, delinquencies are rising. And if delinquencies continue to rise, which I expect them to, you're going to start to see some supply come on market. And I expect by sometime in the middle of next year, you're going to have a much more balanced real estate market national. Now, obviously, it depends on the markets. Downtown San Francisco, New York, that's a buyer's market right now. So it really depends on what you're talking about. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday. And Steve will be here tomorrow. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members about the over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts. You can download for free over at investtalk.com. You can browse by titles over there. And you can also go over to iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer 
of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 